This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. It's been just over a year since the Me Too movement started and refocused attention on working conditions for women in the country. Women make up nearly half of the labor force in the United States, yet they make up just 5% of the CEOs of the S&P 500 companies. That lack of power and influence at the top may be why other issues persist. For example, women still get paid on average about 20% less than their male counterparts. They're underrepresented in traditionally male-dominated fields, and they lack adequate health care coverage, among other issues. A new report from the Wharton Social Impact Initiative looks at these issues. It's called Four for Women, the number four, F-O-U-R, for Women, a framework for evaluating companies' impact on the women they employ. Catherine Klein is a professor of management here at the Wharton School. She's also vice dean of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. And you also hear her on this great channel, Sirius XM 132, as one of the co-hosts of Dollars and Change every Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, with replays throughout the week. Great seeing you. Great seeing you. So, I, I mean, wait a minute. Do we first? Can I first just say people vote? Like vote that all that money being spent, it's important. You know, your vote, your vote matters. Vote. Get that. I voted already. Vote. And I'm going right after Perfect. we get we get done the show. Good. Okay. Uh, now we can talk about the report. N- no problem. Uh, these are obviously these are uh, topics that have been discussed on their own, but yep. but by putting them all together in this one report. What impact do you hope that that this is going to have in addressing a lot of important issues that are out there in in the business world? So let me let me start actually back back up a tiny bit and to say why I really wanted to do this report. So you know, as I've talked about on your show, um, I took a I, I took a hard look at the research on women at, on boards, and there's a lot of work being done on women on boards. There are a lot of investors who are saying we should invest in companies if they have women on the board. And I'm looking at that research and I'm thinking, yeah, it's good to have women on the board. Does it make companies more productive and higher performing? No, the research doesn't say that. Does it necessarily mean that you're a good employer for women? Nah, the research doesn't support that. And so I really felt like I had to put my money or my time in research where my mouth is Mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, if you really wanted to invest in companies that are good for women and if you really wanted to know, you know, is a company a good employer for women? Well, what should you pay attention to? And that's what motivated this research. And I, and I have to say it was eye-opening for me. Pay obviously being one of the, the more uh, big topics that's been talked about a lot. Uh, the gender pay gap that, yep. that is talked about there a lot. How, how do you view how companies should handle this? Pay or all of them? So let me just say quickly the for pay. four. Let's go okay, pay we'll first. Okay, we'll go for pay. Uh, you know, for starters, I think um, I'm really impressed by the what's going on in, in the United Kingdom. I am impressed and very curious. So the yeah. UK has made this, you know, put into law this year that companies must report their gender pay gap. So what that means is they have to, and it's on their websites, and it's in a you know public uh, record, very easy to find. You know, Google any company you're interested in. Yeah. You know, Google, Google UK, you know, gender wage gap. You'll see it. Right. 
uh, any company, probably Sirius. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we could try. May very well. Yeah. May very well. So it'll be the UK numbers, and what they report is: here's what we pay. The uh, here's what average pay is for women, yep. and here's what average pay is for men, and here's what the difference is. So it's really, really stark what those differences are. And um, these were every company that has 250 or more employees has to report this uh, in the UK. And 78% of them have a gender pay gap that favors men. So the average man right. gets paid more than the average woman. And what you see when you look at these websites is that companies are embarrassed by these numbers. And, you know, frankly, I think they should be. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one starter is to say, let's look, uh, let's take a hard look at these numbers. And these numbers are specifically the gender wage gap is really telling. Um, and it's more telling, I can explain this, it's more telling, it's more powerful number, I think a more revealing number than this notion of equal pay for equal work. How so? Okay, so we hear a lot about equal pay for equal work. And, you know, I'm a professor of management, so I'm just kind of thinking if I didn't really know what this is and how you measure it, not that many people sure. who are listening to. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out it's, it's um, equal pay for equal work asks how much does a man, how much do a man and a woman get who perform the same work yep. or work of the same complexity? So first of all, it's tricky to know um, how to, you know, how to measure that, how to operationalize that. You know, you're you're a more experienced radio co-host than I. Sure, yes, yeah. <laughs> right. How does your yeah. pay compare to my pay for this, and so on, et cetera? But the key point is, when companies measure this, they typically will say, "Well, let's compare people who have the same tenure." Let's compare yeah. people who have the same uh, education. Let's compare people who have the same performance ratings. Let's compare people who are working in the same units. Let's compare, did I say performance ratings? Yes. yes. You yeah. know, and, and job title. Yeah. So by the time you get, you start putting all of these things into your statistical equation, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, any discrepancy in pay disappears. Uh, you know, we have that example from Microsoft, which I'll get, but you know, basically, you know, the more things you look at, you can make this number disappear sure, yeah. depending on yeah. how you measure yeah. equal work. Yeah. Um, and the example, like an example from the University of Pennsylvania. Now, the University of Pennsylvania doesn't report its gender pay gap. I'm pretty darn sure they have one. Right. Right? Now, if you look at equal pay for equal work and you compare me to male professors of the same age and the same tenure in the management department and the same performance, I bet we get paid about the same thing. Sure. But if you look at the gender pay gap, at, you know, the average pay for women on this campus and the average pay for men on this campus, I have to believe that women are paid less. Right. Right. And, um, you know, they and, and we can talk about the reasons why, but it's a very powerful number to look at and to think about. Which then that that makes you look at and we'll use the again, the example of Penn is that the other there are obviously other areas where this discrepancy is much larger. And at times, because of the experience level, the, the, the time in right. the job, the education that the person has, that therein lies much of the difference that that ends up uh, being there. Yes, but. Okay. Yes, but the bigger differences have to do with um, what we call uh, gender-based occupational segregation. Okay. It's the fact that there are not very many women at the top of organizations. Correct, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also the fact that women uh, are in women's roles. 
and women's roles versus men's roles, when they're even identical, but one is associated with women, women get paid less. Right. Right. Uh, you know, actually, I was discussing this uh, topic recently with uh, an, uh, an obstetrician, an OBGYN. She said she had just read the research to show that when an OBGYN does surgery on a woman and the same ma surgery is done on men, because obviously some of these surgeries are essentially identical, <laughs> yes. right? You know, they are identical. Some of our parts are identical. The, the, the urologists, the male urologists operating on men get paid more than, than the OBGYNs operating on women for the same surgery. Now, I don't have, you know, it's this notion that's really troubling. So how do you, I mean, that's obviously a structural problem with, yes. that, with yes. that specific example that you're talking about yes. with the hospital or the insurance company yes. or, you know, other elements that may not necessarily be the company itself, but outside of the company that have an impact on them. Right. So your question is, how does a company deal with it? Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's not super easy, but I think when we start to look at the numbers that matter, we'll take them more seriously. But it's also the recognition that the problem exists. Exactly. It's the record. And, you know, what we've done in this report, which is, a, you know, it's interesting and, I, and I've thought a lot about it, but our report really says these are the outcomes that matter. We're not telling companies exactly how to get there. Yeah. We're telling you this is where you want to get. You know, and we do this a lot with our policy. You know, a good manager arguably says to, you know, his or her employees or the people who report to the manager, this is where I want you to get. You guys figure out how to get there. Yeah. And that's essentially what we're doing in this report. There was w one uh, diagram in the report that I saw that really jumped out to me, and it involves poverty and poverty yes. rates yeah. in this country. And you looked at different categories of men that have children, yep. women that have children, or they're, yep. they're taking care of children on their own. And the women that ha that are taking care of children on their own is starkly higher starkly. in terms of poverty rate Stunningly. than any other group in this country right now. Stunningly. 41 percent. 41 percent of women raising children on their, uh, on their own are below the poverty line. So let's talk about what that actually means because it's like, oh, yeah, they're poor. I, that's, you know, we feel bad about that. Let's be clear about how poor is poor yeah. according to our poverty statistics, which is what this is. That means their income for a family of four is $25,000 or less. Yeah. $25,000 or less for a family of four, and 41% of women raising children on their own without a spouse in the house, in the house are, uh, you know, fall below that poverty line. Whoa. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, and, and so I thought it was important to talk about um, pay and poverty in this context yeah. because I think it's easy for us, you know, maybe, again, I can, I can fall into this trap as, a, again, I'm at Wharton. You know, we deal with a lot of very successful companies, a lot of very successful people. I, I It's important to remember how important pay is for people who are really low income in this country. So then with what the, the UK is going to be doing with having companies report, mm -hmm. obviously I think the, the, the goal is for those numbers, whatever that pay gap is, is to continue to shrink yes. next year and the year after yes. and the year after that. Yes, Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we hope, and it, when we hope that we, that happens. And again, I mean, what was interesting about you know what I'm learn what I learned through doing this report, not only all these numbers about understanding what pay means, yeah. uh, you know, and what equal pay for equal work means, I mean, and what the gender pay gap is, but also seeing how closely this is related to this notion of representation. Where do you have women working? Because when when you don't have women at the top, and you put them, and women are really only working in these 
these gendered jobs. Yeah. Um, that you know that's a, a huge part of the pr- the problem. All right, let's switch to healthcare for a second yep. because playing off of in part that that issue with women in poverty. Yep. If you're talking about not having the right health care or not having yep. the health care that you need, that exacerbates the poverty problem even, even further. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, you know, and I was again, I was surprised by some of these some of these numbers. Right. That that. And I think I, I, I need to double check the number, but I think it's right around 40 percent of employees don't get health insurance from their employer. Uh, and, uh, you know, and and so a huge percentage of Americans are not getting uh Health insurance from their employer, they may or may not be getting it from the government, and you know, and the the Affordable Care Act obviously helps a lot. Um, but again, the numbers are super clear on what the consequences of not having health insurance are, and also what the consequences are of not having paid maternity leave. Yeah, right. Paid yeah. Ma- paid maternity leave. Yep makes a big difference. We have strong research evidence to show this. And the United States doesn't require that. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing when you look at all the other countries around the world where employers are required to provide this, and we don't do that in the U.S. Now, when you talk about the healthcare, this is one of those topics that, uh, and we're talking about how women are impacted, but in this case, with healthcare, in, in many cases, men are impacted by it as well Absolutely, also. absolutely. I mean, when it comes to maternity leave and when it comes to maternal health, obviously that's particularly important for women. Yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think that's an important thing that I, we also want to make clear about this report. We're focused on what makes an employer a good employer for women. But the things that we focus on make a company a good employer for- In general. In general, for yeah. people, right? You know, you want people to have a company where health is protected, to have a company- uh, you know where people are paid fairly. All of these things are important for everyone. And, and there's a variety of different elements within this report within healthcare, uh, workplace injuries. You, yep. ta- you talk about stress. Yep. You talk about and, and obviously playing off of unfortunately the Me Too movement, sexual harassment as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'd say a couple of things on on those factors. I mean, we thought it was really important to pay close attention and to highlight issues of stress and issues of sexual harassment. When you look at the, the research on stress, I mean, the health consequences of workplace stress are huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just sort of, again, we kind of know stress is a, is, is a problem, but to really see the direct link between people being laid off, people having unpredictable work hours, people being micromanaged, and, oh, yeah. that increases the risks of cardiovascular disease, of diabetes, you know, of, of, uh, you know, of smoking and other ancillary things. That's huge. And then, you know, when it comes to sexual harassment, again, looking at the research was really powerful. Um, you know, I'd say a, a, a couple of things are, are powerful. Uh, one is it really matters how you ask the question. You get different answers to how much sexual harassment have women experienced when you ask the question differently. Yeah, I'm happy to talk more about that. And the yeah. other is this is really this is preventable. There are things companies can do, employers can do to prevent sexual harassment. It's not random. It's not like yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some men who are a problem. No. Nah. You know, the company is a problem. And, and with some of the stories that we've heard in the last years of companies covering up yes. a lot of these instances and not bringing them to the forefront. And in some cases, some of these employees that are leaving these companies, they may be C-suite employees, leaving right. with incredible executive pay packages, despite the fact that, to a degree, they've committed a crime. Absolutely, right. Yeah. You're, you're referring to what, you know, the, the Google announcement, yeah. announcement and the Google walkout yeah. last week, right, with thousands of employees walking out of Google offices around the country to say, you know, this is not okay. And, you know, one of the things that's encouraging about that to me is it turns out that the strongest predictor of whether an organization is going to have high levels of sexual harassment is whether people think it's tolerated. 
So sure. when yeah. an organization has a you know a climate for harassment, which is to say people say, yeah, you know, people harass, nothing happens to them. Doesn't matter. Nobody takes it seriously around yeah. her. The more people believe that, the higher the sexual harassment is in the place. Do, do, do a lot of these issues really start with the fact of, of whether or not you have a relatively equal representation of men and women? And unfortunately, a lot of these issues kind of build off of yes. the, uh, the yes. problem of not having yes. men and women on an equal yes. level. Yes, I, I, yes. And what's inter- a couple of things that are interesting about that. It seems to me that the, the research evidence is less clear that you need one or two or three women in power. So sometimes we focus on that. We want women on the board. We want women in the C-suite. Those are good things. Right. But I actually think the research is more convincing about the importance of having a large percentage of women in different units and uh, at, at every level and throughout the, the, um, the company. So when you have a larger percentage of women, uh, that's when things are different. So I'll, I'll tell you, Dan, I, uh, some yeah. colleagues were, were reading this work and said, you know, yeah, yeah, Catherine, what's a large percentage of women? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what is a large percentage of women? And, and the number that, we have, that we've come to is, so it can be the number of the day, Okay. Uh, my number of the day okay. uh, is 43%. Okay. It turns out that uh, 43% of uh, full-time employees in this country are women. Right. Right? Right. So 43, so that would tell you, that's, that's the standard. If there were no uh, occupational gender segregation, if there were no bias, that's the number you would expect. You would expect to see 43% of CEOs are women, 43% of heart surgeons are women, 43% of janitors, 43% of pilots. You know, and, and, and on and on, 43% of nurses, that's the number. And when the number is really different, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, or even if the number is 43, it's a good idea to say, huh, why is it this number? You know, is this the right, is this the right number? Do we have, a, do we have too many women in this field? Do we have too few? Do we, how are we doing on our employment practices? 43% right. is, a, is, a, is a benchmark. And we're talking with Catherine Klein from here at the Warren School. And we're talking about the work she has done uh, in the report called Four for Women, F-O-U-R for Women, a framework for evaluating companies' impact on the women they employ. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I mentioned how you know the, the ratio of men to women working kind of uh, uh, leads into these other problems, but these are all really interconnected, it feels like, as yes. well, when you're talking about pay and the amount of pay that you may or may not be getting. Right. And then the impact by not having that pay on healthcare, of being able to deal with premiums. And then the, the last thing you talk about in the board is satisfaction. Right. And that then impacts how people feel about their workplace, whether they want to stay at a company, whether they want to leave or not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the four things we look at, right, you've mentioned, I I think now all of them, representation, the percentage of women at every level in every unit of the company, pay, how well are people paid, are they paid fairly, what's the gender pay gap, health, and we talked about health insurance and so on, and the last is satisfaction, which may surprise some people, but it turns out that there's a ton of research on job satisfaction. We know a whole lot about job satisfaction. It's easy to measure. It's easy to measure reliably and validly. And 
a lot of things are correlated with job satisfaction. So, you know, how you feel about your job and when you go to fill out a, a survey is, a, you know, also reflects how you feel about your boss, how you feel about your work, how you feel about the coworkers, how you yeah. feel about your hours. So job satisfaction is like, it's like a really simple indicator of health and, and the health of this organization. And, you know, you're absolutely right that the factors that we're looking at are super intercorrelated, right? If you have a company where people are very satisfied with their work and jobs, it's a company that's going to attract more women. Yeah. Uh, if you attract more women and, and uh, select more of those women, well, the gender wage gap that you see in the company is likely to get smaller. Uh, and so on. So there is this po- this positive you know this this positive cycle that comes into play. If you provide better health insurance and benefits, people are likely to be more satisfied with their work. So, you know, there's a, a real possibility here for positive cycles and, and negative ones too. How, I was going to say, how much do you think there's a recognition by companies of the interconnectivity of these four areas, and the understanding that if they're not addressing all four of these. They need to be in the near future so that you don't have the negative impacts coming back. Right. Well, I, you know, I think at one level there's an understanding that these things are interconnected and, gee, you know, the hip bone's connected to the thigh sure, right, <laughs> in organizations yeah. and so yeah. on. And I think on another level we don't have good metrics for companies to say, hey, how are you doing on these four things? And that's part of what we tried to do in this report. I mean, there's yeah. more work to be done. But when we pick these things, these four things, it was like there, there's a lot of research. The research tells us these things are important, and we can measure these things. And I think once you, uh, organizations start to measure them and see them and track them, they will see those interconnections and understand them more. That's our hope. So then, in part, then, what's going on, again, going back to what's going on in the UK, that becomes an important component to understand what's happening there, yep. but also potentially getting a little bit of, of an understanding, better understanding of what's going on in other locations as well, and then to have the interest to want to look into this as a, as an important area of, yeah, of study. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, our hope is that managers and, you know, company leaders say, huh, you know, like, there's this four for women framework at, coming out of Wharton. How are we doing on four for, four for women? Oh, we have that gender wage gap? Who knew? I mean, you know, I would venture to guess, I have a total speculation, um, I'd be curious if somebody correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Yeah. I would venture to guess that you know the the heads of of all the major organizations, president of this university, and uh, CEOs of country of companies all around Philly and beyond, don't know what the gender wage gap is in their organization. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, again, if you know that number, it's thought provoking. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily say like I know exactly what to do about it. I know whether to be concerned about it. But it is a number that that um, you know that's telling. That makes you think. And now, that, and fundamentally, that's a, a lot of what we want people to do. We want them to think more carefully about their employment practices and what you know how their company measures up on these criteria. Well, and again, to a degree, some of of this information that that they need to know can be readily accessible because of the the volumes of data that yes. we have out there right now. So this shouldn't be a significant thing to be able to put together. No, it's not very difficult to put together. The harder part is that companies don't reveal this information. Right. 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 These things right. are are readily measurable. Right. You know, what's your pay? You know, do, you, do you offer paid maternity leave? Yes. Right. No. How many days? Right. You know, uh, health insurance is a little trickier to uh, to know how to measure and get get into all the nuances. But again, it's measurable. Job satisfaction, piece of cake to are measure. Are companies just scared to do it? 
I mean, I think they're they're scared to do it, and the standard hasn't been very clear. Like, what should we be measuring? We could be measuring so many things. What should we do? Right. Uh, you know, again, it was interesting as we as we said about this tactic about like, well, and as I sort of thought, well, what do I think companies should measure? You know, it's like, should we offer a checklist of programs? Uh, you know, do you have a, a mentoring for women? Do you have a lactation yeah. room for women? What about egg freezing? You know, on on and on. And we thought, yeah. like, no. You know, that's not, first of all, you can put those things in, and the company can still be a really lousy employer for women. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There can be window dressing. There can be all sorts of things. And there are lots of different ways to get to the end point. Uh, so we're, we're, you know, we're not in this report advocating how you get to the end point. We're saying these are the end points that matter. It matters how many women you employ and where you employ them. It matters how you pay women versus men and so on. So the decision process, to a degree, you, you would like it to be the company itself making the decision of what change needs to be yes needs to be brought yes. forward and i hope they're you know and yes and i and uh personally i hope advocates are asking companies you know how do you stand on the four for women yeah and i hope investors start looking at this you know there's a you know as you know and as we've talked about uh on your show and on on ours dollars and change you know there's a lot of interest in gender lens investing well how yeah. do you invest yeah. in companies that are good for women you know, we think these numbers can tell you if a company is really good for women. And, I, you know, my hope is that when investors say we're interested in these numbers, tell us what they are so we can invest, companies start to take them more seriously. Great seeing you again. It's so fun to see Thanks you. Thanks very you. much. By the, way, by the way, for people that would like to read the report that Catherine and her colleagues has put together, have put together, you can go to socialimpact.wharton.upenn.edu. It's right there on the homepage uh, that you can uh, pull it up, or I should say go under reports, and then you can pull yeah, it up Yeah, it's a there. little tricky to find if people, okay. in the worst case scenario, if people, or not the worst case, if you, you know, you can also email me. Right, <laughs> so exactly. email Catherine Klein. You can find me, Catherine Klein at Wharton. I'll make sure you get the report. And you will hear her on Thursday. Yeah. At 8 a.m. on Dollars and Change here on Sirius XM 132. Thanks, Dan. So you got it. Catherine Klein joining us here in studio. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 